Wooden Valley Baptist Church has always been one of my favorites. Joy to be here. Glad to be here on this exciting day. I'm not going to take a lot of time with my platitudes, but I do want you to know it's an honor to be here. Open your Bibles. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. It's a simple story. It's a parable that Jesus told about a man that had a fig tree. Uh, By the way, if you have a fig tree, you expect figs. So he had a fig tree. One day he decides, I'm going to check the tree, see if the figs are ripe. And he comes, and there are no figs. And he says, you know, for three years I've been looking for figs on this tree. For three years I've been hoping for fruit. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of space. It's a waste of energy. Let's just cut the tree down. One of the guys who worked for him said, no, 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 don't get hasty. He said, give me one more chance. He said, I'll fertilize, I'll till the ground, I'll give it special care. And then next year, if there's no fruit, we'll cut it down. So let's read that story. If you have your Bibles open to Luke 13 and you're able to stand, I invite you to stand with me. I always like to stand when I read my text because it just reminds me this is no ordinary book. It's not a collection of religious writings. This is the the very Word of God. Verse number 6, Jesus is speaking. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. He said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I could be here today. Thank you for already cheering and warming and blessing my heart through the ministry and song. Lord, I pray now in the preaching time that you would speak to every single heart. God, I pray the message would be helpful to each person who's taken the time to come this morning. Help me as I preach, and then God help the church to be obedient in the invitation. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, obviously, the main character in the parable, by the way, a parable, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you learned a parable is a story Jesus told that applies to you and me. So obviously the main character is the owner of the vineyard. And so since it's a parable and since it applies to us, uh, I want to make the application, this guy owned the vineyard, there's another one who owns everything. He's God. God owns all that exists. By the way, God owns you and God owns me. He owns us by right of creation. He made us, and so we belong to Him. But if you're saved, He has a double claim on your life. He owns you not only through creation, but salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, we're supposed to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God. So in this story, the the owner of the vineyard is a picture of God. Well, he comes to the tree. Guess who represents the tree? Us. When I was in second grade, I was in a play. 
I don't remember what the play was about, but I remember I was a tree. I had to stand like this, and they taped leaves to me. I didn't get to say anything. I didn't get to do anything. I wasn't even supposed to move. It was a waste of talent. <laughs> I was a tree. I'm, I'm, I don't even know how trees fit into the play. I think it was a ploy by the teacher to corral some of the rowdier boys and keep them from messing up the play, but I was a tree. Wow. Okay, that was a bad thing. This is a good thing. We're, we're trees. And so the owner comes, and he checks the trees, or the tree, and there's no fruit. God is the owner, and as he looks at you and he looks at me this morning, he's looking for fruit. Okay? The guy planted the tree. The whole reason for his tree was fruit. I understand you get other benefits from a tree. On a hot day, it's nice to rest in the shade of a tree. Uh, wood products come from trees. Some people like trees because they enjoy watching birds. I never got that. I mean, I, I, I like birds as well as the next guy. Fried chicken, turkey on Thanksgiving. Amen. But my wife's dad, they had a fairly large backyard and several trees and bird feeders in all the trees. And he, he would just stand at that window and watch the birds. What a waste of time. <laughs> but I learned something. People that like birds hate squirrels. <laughs> because the squirrels eat the bird feed. He had, he had one in the middle of the yard, wasn't even hooked to a tree. It, it, it was a pole with a round thing, looked like a hubcap on top, and he, and he put bird uh, seed in there, and the birds would come, but the squirrels would shinny up that pole and eat all the bird seed. So he, he got a, a, a thing of Crisco, and he rubbed Crisco on that pole. And the squirrels would run and jump on that pole and... Now, evidently, squirrels have very little brains because they did it several times. And I'm telling you, that's the most fun I ever had bird watching. <laughs> is watching these challenged squirrels run, jump on the pole. <sighs> but this guy, he, he didn't plant the tree because he wanted shade, and it wasn't because he needed the wood, and I doubt that he cared anything about the birds. There was one reason, one purpose for planting that tree. It was for fruit. And by the way, the Bible is very clear that in your life and in my life, God expects fruit. Let me read you a verse. John 15 verse 16 says, You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Now, if you'll study the Bible, you'll discover there are different kinds of fruit that are expected in our lives. We read about the fruit of the Spirit. 
what these are are characteristics that are supposed to be evident in my life and in your life because we're saved. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible tells us, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That means if I'm saved, I'm supposed to have that in my life. And so as God comes through this place this morning and He looks at your life and He looks at my life, He's looking for love. Holding a grudge against somebody. No fruit. Joy. Did you ever notice how some people just by disposition are grouchy? <laughs> grouchy people bother me. They walk around all day looking like they were weaned on lemons and dill pickles. <laughs> how are you, brother? Oh, I don't feel good. Well, maybe you'll die. Heaven's pretty good, I heard. Whatever happened to the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I'll tell you the one I struggle with is is, is patience. I, I think I have enough patience. Life's too short to sit at a green light while somebody's putting their lipstick on. Okay? We live in Detroit. Detroit drivers are aggressive drivers. It's interesting, our our city streets, the speed limit is 50 miles an hour. Yeah, it's it's fun to drive, but you better hit the gas when the light turns green. But the Bible's very clear that the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be evident in our lives. What if the Lord came through and He checked your life and He checked my life and there wasn't the fruit that was expected and He said, that's it. Cut it down. Cut it down. Not only is there the fruit of the Spirit, but there's the fruit of soul winning. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You know, one of the main reasons God left us here after we got saved is to tell other people how to get saved. That's a really good spot for an amen. When I was in Sunday school this morning, I told the folks that my sermons would be a lot shorter if you amen when you're supposed to. Because otherwise I have to stop and explain it like this. So let me try that again. Uh, one of the main things, now that we're saved, is to tell other people how to get saved. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And so, listen, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody, but we are the ones who tell them. Remember the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8? He's on his way back home after being in Jerusalem, and he's reading from Isaiah, and God says, Philip, go help this guy. Philip runs, jumps up in the chariot, and he says, Understand us now what thou readest? And the man said, How can I unless some man should guide me? You know, there are lots and lots of people that want to get saved. They just don't know how. They would like, most people want to go to heaven. I've met very few people who said, you know, my my goal for eternity is to die and go to hell. Nobody wants that. Even the false religions are hoping for paradise, hoping for some kind of peace, some kind of pleasantness. But the only way you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. 
A person accepts the finished work of what Christ did on the cross. We, we trust him completely and only to forgive us of our sins. When we get saved, we have eternal life promised to us. But most people don't know that. It's our job to tell them. What if the Lord came through and he checked out your life and said, uh, how's that fruit of soul winning? Uh, how many tracts have you passed out in the last month? How many people have you invited to church? How many have you talked to about his soul or her soul? How many lost people do you pray for every single day? You see, the owner of the vineyard, he's coming to check fruit in my life and yours. And then there's what I call the, the fruit of the Christian life. You know, just the things that we do because we're saved. Uh, because we're saved, we're supposed to read our Bibles. Because we're saved, we're supposed to read our Bibles. Amen. Yeah, you're catching on. You're slower than most, but you're catching on. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. Did you, and don't answer out loud, this is just between you and God, but did, did you read your Bible every day this month? Well, you know, I've been busy. Too busy to obey God? We're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, how's that working for you? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Got any fruit there? You see, when we get right down to it, it's one thing to know what we're supposed to do. It's another thing to do what we're supposed to do. But this parable is to teach us that Almighty God is expecting fruit in our life. And as He comes through checking for the fruit, this tree had no figs. And He said, cut it down. Just cut it down. I wonder why this tree didn't have any figs. Maybe it wasn't really a fig tree. Maybe the guy went to the, the tree store and he thought he was buying a fig tree, but he doesn't know much about fig trees. And he bought a fake fig tree and he brought it home and it didn't produce figs. I, I, I doubt that happened, but it, it's plausible. If it's not a fig tree, it's not going to produce figs. By the way, if, if you're not a Christian, you're not going to produce Christian fruit. Yeah, so, and I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. I think it's very, very simple to get saved. Children get saved. In fact, most people, if you're not saved, you, you already know that. I was preaching a revival meeting, and a fellow came forward at the invitation, and he said, I need to get saved. And I thought, praise God. And I said to the pastor, I said, here, uh, this guy wants to get saved. And the pastor took him into the one of the back rooms, and he came out afterwards. And, and uh, the pastor said, it's amazing. The man who got saved is one of our deacons. I said, wow. And so I talked to the guy. I said, were, were you confused? Did you just think you were saved and you really weren't? He said, no, I have known all along I wasn't saved. 
He said, when I was a teenager, we had some big youth rally, and, and all of my friends went forward to get saved. Well, I didn't want to sit there by myself, so I went with them, although I wasn't convicted. I, I, I was just going because they went. He said, and then uh, uh, they all got baptized. Well, I didn't want to be the only one who didn't get baptized, so I got baptized, and everybody thought I was saved. He said, we had a great church. Our youth pastor was a great guy, and so uh, I stayed in church. My family always went to church. I grew up in the youth department. I loved our youth pastor. All my friends were there. He said, but I always knew I wasn't saved. He said, I met a girl in our youth group, and she, of course, thought I was saved. I knew I wasn't saved, but we got married. He said, about a year after we got married, pastor came and asked me if I'd be a Sunday school teacher. He said, I felt terrible because I, I knew I wasn't saved. And by now, I'm too far along playing the game that, that I didn't want to admit that I wasn't saved. And I've been in Sunday school all my life, so I figured I knew how to do it. I said, sure, I'll take it. He said, about a year ago, pastor asked me if I'd pray about being a deacon. He said, I knew I'm not even saved, let alone qualified. But again, I was too ashamed, too embarrassed. So I agreed to it. He said, this morning while you were preaching, God got hold of my heart, and I decided I am not playing the game anymore. He said, now I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Boy, what a wonderful thing. There might be some fake fig trees. If that's the case, you know it. Maybe they really were a fig tree, but they didn't get the proper nourishment, nutrients. We lived in Missouri for 27 years. It gets hot in Missouri. And uh, we were gone all one summer, and uh, I came home, and all the bushes in the front of our house, we had a deck, and all of our bushes had died. They, they were just shriveled up, didn't get any rain, didn't get any water. They died. So I dug them up, went to the bush store, got new bushes. By the way, if you want an investment for retirement, invest in a bush store. <laughs> Those things are ridiculously expensive. Wow. So I put, I think, six or eight bushes across the front of our house. We had a kid in our church who mowed my grass. And I said, Caleb, every time you mow the grass, water the bushes, okay? I said, I don't care if it's raining, water the bushes. I, I don't want them to die. They're way too expensive. Those bushes didn't get any water, so they shriveled up and died. You know what, Christian? If you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray, if you're not fellowshipping with the Lord, if you're not, if you're not faithful in church, you're going to shrivel up and die. And there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And we came home one day, we had a whole bunch of oak trees on the side of our house, and one of the biggest ones had fallen down, just missed our house. I thought, thank you, Lord, for that. But I thought, why in the world would an oak tree, we didn't have any winds, no tornadoes, hurricane was all the way down in Florida, how to fall? And I went out to investigate, and I noticed in the trunk, it was almost hollow, because there's a billion little bugs in there eating it away. You know, on the outside, it looked fine. It had leaves. looked good. But, but those bugs had caused it to become diseased. And eventually, it just toppled over. You know, I've known lots of people who were really good at going through the motions. They, 
They looked right, they acted right, they talked right, and you never knew that inside sin was eaten away. Those things that nobody knows about. You know, those, those places that you investigate on the internet, those, those uh, conversations you have, those, you know what I'm talking about, it eats away. That secret rebellion, it eats away, and there's no fruit. And so the guy says to the fellow who takes care of his vineyard, he says, I'm, we, we've wasted time. For three years I've been investigating. For three years I've been anticipating. For three years I've been hoping. I've been pouring money into this tree and nothing. He said, just cut it down. And the guy said, give me one more year. Let me do what I can do. Let's see if in... One more year, we can get some fruit. Hey, what if God looked at your life and looked at my life and didn't see what he wanted to see, and he said, one more year. You get one more year to produce fruit. What if God said that last June? One more year. You see, there, there comes a time Interesting, we don't know how the story ends. I don't know if he ever got figs or he had to cut it down. But I do know that there, there, there comes a time when what you could do now, you may not be able to do later. You see, you could get saved today if you're not saved, but there may come a time when you can't get saved. You could get right with the Lord. You could rearrange your priorities. You could get victory over that sin. You could do it today, but there may come a time when you can't. J. Harold Smith was a great evangelist a couple generations ago. He told the story. He was in a revival meeting. And he said uh, he was preaching about getting saved. And he said it was a good service, but he noticed in the very back there was a whole row of teenagers that just goofed around the whole service, paid no attention. And it seemed like the ringleader was a young lady. And so after the service, uh, they had a great invitation, lots of decisions. But after the service, as people went out, Brother Smith made it a point. He, 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 he shook Katie's hand and he said, young lady, let me ask you a question. Are, are you saved? Well, she was embarrassed. Her friends were around. and she I, I don't think she meant this, but she looked at him, and she said, she said, Preacher, if I knew I'd be in hell tonight, I wouldn't get saved. I don't think she meant that. Katie had come to church with her parents, and so they, they didn't live far from the church. They got in the car, and Dad was driving. Mom was in the passenger seat. Katie was in the back seat, and they're driving home. They lived out in the country, and they had to go up a hill and down a hill and up another hill. And as they crested that first hill, a car was coming. Uh, the investigating officer said it was more than 90 miles an hour. That car was coming toward Katie's father's car in the wrong lane. Katie's dad swerved, lost control, and the car went down the embankment. It rolled and flipped and flipped and rolled, landed on all four tires, miraculously nobody was hurt seriously but it had caved the roof in dad and mom were able to get out but katie's in the back seat she can't get out because the roof is caved in 
And she, dad said, Katie, you okay? He goes, she said, I'm fine, daddy, but, but get me out. Get me out. I'm trapped. I want to get out. He said, well, I can't. We can't. They're going to come with the machine. They'll, they'll tear the top off, and then you'll be able to get out. Well, the car that had caused them to wreck saw what happened, stopped, and came running back to see if they could help. One of the guys had a cigarette. He didn't know that when that car flipped, the gas tank had ruptured. But he threw his cigarette down on the ground, and it hit that gasoline, and like a match to a fuse, it rushed up to the gas tank, and that car exploded into flame. And Katie's trapped in the back seat. They said you could hear her scream for more than a quarter of a mile away. She's screaming, get me out! Get me out! Get me out! They said her last words were, help me! I'm going to hell. Less than an hour earlier, she said, Preacher, if I knew I'd be in hell tonight, I wouldn't get saved. I don't know if maybe God said, Okay, that's it. You had your chance, no more. I, I, I don't know that. I do know what she could have done then. She will never, ever, ever be able to do again. We had a couple little girls rode our Sunday school bus and they got saved and went over to meet the family and mom's name was Angel and Angel came to church and Angel got saved. By the way, that's a good spot for an amen. Yeah, Angel got saved. Went over to talk to her husband Shane. Shane said, he said, yeah, I got, my mom took me to church when I was a kid and I got saved in, in vacation Bible school but, but, but I, I just don't do church. I said, what do you mean you don't do church? She said, he said, Angel and the girls, they can go, but I don't, I, I'm not going. I don't do church. Well, they were faithful for about six months and, man, growing and doing great. But Angel would often say to me, pray for Shane. I want him to come to church. I want us to worship as a family. Shane would never come. Angel became a little more sporadic in her attendance. And I would say, Angel, you got to be faithful. And she goes, I just, I just hate to come without Shane. I don't want to be in church without Shane. And I told him, I said, look, man, you have a responsibility. Your wife, your children, they need you to be faithful for God. He said, I don't do church. Well, it wasn't long, as you can imagine, until Angel and the girls are completely out of church. Couldn't, do, couldn't get them back. A couple of years later, one Sunday morning, completely unexpected, in walks Shane. He's dressed in a nice suit, carrying a Bible. I said, Shane, it's great to see you. He said, Preacher, I'm so sorry. He said, I finally got right with God. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I've been praying for you a long time. He said, I just, I got tired of fighting it, and I got right with God. I said, wonderful. I said, where's Angel and the girls? And he broke down. He said, she left me. She took the girls and she left me. He said, I'm not, I didn't get right with God to try to make a deal with God to win her back, but I thought maybe if I would serve the Lord, if I would be faithful, she would see that I was genuine. And man, he was faithful. He did serve God, but you know what? He never got his family back. What he could have done, he'll never be able to do. I don't know if maybe God said, you know, Shane, you've had every opportunity, you've had every chance. You're not going to do right? Fine. 
cut it down. I don't know if that happened. But I do know this. Shane will never be able to be in church with Angel and his girls again. We had a family in our church, good family, mom, dad, two teenage girls. They loved the Lord, they served the Lord, but they had a little home up on, or a cabin up on Lake of the Ozarks. And in the summertime, they would come to church Sunday morning, leave Sunday afternoon, and go up and spend the day, use their cabin, have fun on the lake, and never came to church Sunday night. And I would talk to him. I said, you know, you got to be faithful. You, you have daughters. You need to be a testimony. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, I work hard, and this is my real... We have family time. One night, as soon as I got out of church, I got a phone call. I said, preacher, you need to get to the hospital. There's been an accident up here at Lake of the Ozarks. The two teenage daughters had taken the car... Driving on the windy roads, she lost control, went down the embankment, hit a tree. The eldest daughter was killed instantly. The other one was in intensive care. I got up to the hospital and I walked into the the ICU unit and there, leaning over the, the, the bed of their daughter, was dad and mom was off in the corner and she was sobbing and, and uh, they had just lost their oldest daughter, and now their youngest daughter is teetering between life and death. And I walked into the room, and Dad must have seen my, my or must have heard my footsteps because he turned around, and as soon as he saw me, he ran, he threw his arms around me, and he began to, to, to almost scream. He said, oh, preacher, I wish we would have been in church tonight. It's too late. Too late. What, what he could have done, he will never, ever be able to do again. Now, I'm not trying to be melodramatic, folks, but there comes a time that God, who continually knocks on the door of your heart, continually pleads, continually begs you to do what's right, there may come a time when he just says, that's it. Cut it down. The good news is you're not there yet. And the great news is you can get some fruit started this morning. Friend, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. If your family isn't where it needs to be for the Lord, you can take care of that today. If you've got some sin going on in your life that nobody knows about, but you and God, you can take care of that today. If you've just been mediocre, lukewarm, happy to slide by, and you recognize that there's not a bit of fruit on your tree, you can decide today, with God's help, I'm going to be a fruitful Christian. I can't make you, but I can sure enough give you a biblical reason why you ought to. Let's pray together. Everyone bow your eyes. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. We do this every service. If you're visiting, we're not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. But, but we just believe that when you preach the Word of God, the Lord speaks to hearts. And so I want to give you a chance to respond. I have everybody close their eyes because I don't want you to look at anybody and I don't want anybody to look at you. It's between you and God and me. But how many of this morning could say, Brother Hal, thank God, I know that I'm saved. I'm not perfect. 
Anybody who knows me would testify to that. But I know for sure, because there's a time I accepted Christ as my Savior, I know for sure if I died right now, I know that I would go to heaven. If you know that, raise your hand as a testimony. Hold it up real high. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I didn't take time to look all over the room. It's not so important if I know, but it's very important if you know. Friend, if you couldn't raise your hand this morning, I have wonderful news. You can get saved today. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to do anything other than admit, I'm a sinner and I want forgiveness. Is there somebody here this morning who would say, Preacher, I am not saved. Or I'm not sure that I'm saved and I want to make sure. I'm concerned about it. I don't want to be like Katie and miss out on my last chance. Pray for me. I'm not saved. I won't embarrass you. I'll do my best not to make you feel uncomfortable, but I will pray for you. You say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Or I know I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. Would you raise your hand and hold it up high? I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. Is there anybody? Anybody at all? I'm looking over the auditorium. I don't see, oh, I see your hand over here on my far left. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I will pray for you. Is there anybody else who will say, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. Pray for me. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And when I finish my prayer, the music will begin. And when you hear the first note on the music, I'd encourage you to step out while others are coming to the altar. And we'll get somebody to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. But before I do that, let me ask you this. You are saved, Christian. You got any fruit? If the Lord examined your life today, would he be pleased? No, I get it. None of us are perfect and none of us are doing everything that we could do. But I'm imagining that several have been spoken to this morning. And you'd say, Brother Hal, God spoke to my heart. And I want to bear fruit. I need to get serious about God. I want that fruit in my life. I want to do today what I may wish I would have done someday. I want to get it taken care of right here and right now. God has spoken to my heart. Would you pray for me? If you'd let me do that, raise your hand. Hold it up real high. I needed that message. I needed that message. God spoke to my heart. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up so I can see you all over the room. Yeah, lots and lots of folks. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's stand, please. I'm going to pray, and when I finish my prayer, I'm going to ask every single person who raised his or her hand to make your way to the front. If you can kneel, you can use the steps. If you can't kneel, you can sit in the chair. But there's just something about that public affirmation that I want God's best in my life. If you're not saved, then you come and we'll make sure that somebody can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I finish my prayer, the music will start. When you hear the first note, you step out and come do business with God. Heavenly Father, bless this invitation. I pray for the one that said, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Oh God, I'm thankful.